and welcome to Scale Your Sales podcast, listed in 2020 as number eight of 42 best podcasts for every sales professional. I am your host, Janice B. Gordon, the customer growth expert and author of Business Evolution, Creating Growth in a Rapidly Changing World. I created Scale Your Sales Framework to develop leading edge capabilities to secure, retain and grow key customer relationships for long-term value and partnership. Join me each week to learn from amazing B2B sales and business experts and influencers. Tune in for actionable insights and strategies. Are you ready to scale your sales? My next guest is known as the sales development sastress. She <laughs> is a SDR manager at gong.io and co-host of the Women in Sales Club on Clubhouse. Welcome to Scale Your Sales podcast, Gabrielle Blackwell. Hi, Janice. Thanks for having me. Well, it's it's good to have you here. At, uh, you, know, you keep popping up on my uh, uh, platform and um, newsfeed, and I said I have got to speak to you and get to know you. So thank you for agreeing to come along because I know that you've got lots of a, a great perspective that we'll cover here. The first thing that I'd like to um, talk to you about is Gong, and okay. I've picked. I've I suppose I've mentioned it a few times in my podcast um, uh, interviews with various guests. And um, yeah, I'm not entirely comfortable with it. And I know you're not the only company representative, <laughs> but I just want to be, you know, full disclosure here. In yeah. The, the kind of unfiltered. I'm very much a people person. So the, yeah. And I think when I was um, had a sales manager and we used to, this is the 1980s, this is going to show, no, 1990s, showing my age. And I remember on a Tuesday, we used to um, have to get in early to do cold calling. That's when we could do cold calling. Stand up, cold calling, smile on your face. And on Tuesday evening, eight o'clock, cold calling. And um, I remember, you know, the, the numbers and the systems that people, our managers used to have to measure the pipeline, all of that. I did great work on my personality. And, you know, when they say you've got to say this, it kind of didn't really fit with what came out of my mouth and personality. And I've mm -hmm. seen that this is a great tool. This is a brilliant tool. But it does for many managers they over rely on these tools that that will give them the measurements of what is the perfect sales meeting what is the perfect x y and z and all of that and takes the personality which our customers love out of the system and the process of selling so what's your view I disagree with that view I really do and and um I think I think process for the sake of process Rob's personality from the sales process. So Gong in and of itself, the technology is standalone technology. It's not a, it's not a process. You're getting visibility into the conversations. And I would even say like, you can use, uh, you can use a solution like Gong, for example, to prove the case that different like articulations, different personalities can be as successful as the ones that are seen as the normative, this is the way that you're going to be successful. Because at the end of the day, if I'm driving results, if I'm, uh, if I'm 
driving the sales process forward, if I'm getting the right people on board and I'm having effective conversations where effective conversations means I'm able to extract some level of pain or some opportunity they want to take advantage of. And there is a mutual interest in continue the conversation forward. Um, like if, if all of that is accomplished, right? Like Gong is just going to highlight that. It's going to highlight the how. And if anything, you now have folks who can go, all right, the way that I speak, the way that I articulate myself, the way the words that I use, um, I can now see like a track record of my own success. And I might also be able to go find people, uh, other folks in the organization who talk like me, who use the words that I use, who might have the same intonations or similar personality over the phone and go like, wow, they're they're handling objections like this, right? Or hey, like whenever they get this question, here's how they're answering. Or anytime they get like this pushback, here's how they can push back even more. So I would say if anything, like the way the application of Gong, the way that I use it as a manager with my reps is if someone speaks in a certain way, has a certain personality, I'll actually go out and find other reps who are being successful, who have a similar style, similar cadence and go, this is the model that you now need to follow. So I, I would disagree on the piece of like, it just, it robs, it takes the personality out. If anything, it'll go, wow, like Janice uh, is able to build up a lot of rapport with her folks and she's able to establish next steps very well. And the reason why is because she's talking about these three or four things 50% more often than anybody else in the organization. And the coaches and the managers can go back and see that and they have the data to support it as well. So if anything, I would say Gong can be used to support the let's support different personalities. That is a great answer. <laughs> <laughs> Why are you working for Gong? Yeah, um, yeah. I'll, 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 I'll get on the phone and because you're like, oh, well, we have this one pitch and you need to use this specific process. I go in and I say, I have six years of cold calling experience. I'm going to do it the way that I know how to do it. Um, and now I have a track record that shows that it works. Those are data points. So if anyone's like, hey, you need to do this process. I'm like, I've got 30 demos booked that tells you otherwise. Mm. Yeah, yeah. And, and I think that's brilliant. I haven't seen uh, um, all managers using that in the way. They mm. often have the one playbook, you know, yep. the, the one method. And here's yep. the evidence to prove that this is the best method. And I want you to do it this way, do it my mm -hmm. way, because, you know, they can't cope with the 25 different iterations of this. This is, you know, this is the way yeah. we do it here. And because they've got the evidence to back it up, then mm -hmm. it's really difficult for other people that want to do it in a slightly different way to kind of to move away from 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 that. Um, mm -hmm. And, you know, they may not be you are going to have a range of salespeople that have different levels of success and mm -hmm. different strengths. But you're not going to have someone that's strong in every single area area and every single data point. And this kind of forces people down that way. The thing is, they can still get over the line without being absolutely perfect and, 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 and measured. Um, mm -hmm. So, yeah, I think it's. This, I'm not critiquing the the um, the uh, the software and the program, all of that. It's the in use. That, yeah. That's the thing where I think a lot of it gets, you know, lost. Yeah, definitely. Uh, there are times where one of the biggest objections we'll run into is, oh, this seems like Big Brother, and my reps are never going to, they're never going to be game for something like this. Um, 
what we see, uh, so uh, there's a man named Bob Spina, who is our VP of strategic accounts at Gong. Um, and prior to coming to Gong, he was a Gong customer at a different company. And so he had even shared, he's like, all right, I have, inc- I have very senior enterprise strategic reps. They don't need a big brother. Um, and I, th- I think he took a moment and went, wait a minute, not everybody on my team is hitting quota. Right. So like, is there a way to get better? Is there a way that I can be a better coach? And the way that he looked at it was, um, I think the first part is how can I uplevel myself as a sales leader? I think the second part was in the way that they did their sales motion, it it was a very collaborative sell. So they're Mm -hmm. working with different departments, different stakeholders, both internally and externally. And so they needed a way to be able to collaborate effectively and not have so much he said, she said, but really like, hey, like here's a snippet in the conversation. You can hear it exactly word for word, like what's needed. And you don't have to take it from my mouth or from the sales rep's mouth. So if he's talking to finance or legal, like they can get things moved. They can move much faster. So it's like you now have this business agility that's there. So for him, he's not thinking about it from a sense from a sense of, wow, like I need to have, I need to know exactly what everyone is saying at all times so I can be a micromanager and tell them how to live their life. It's wow, how can we maybe rethink the way that we do business? Like how can we have an even better customer experience? How can we be faster to meet the needs and the requirements that this sales process um ask of us, right? Um, and how can we get our team working that much more effectively and that much more collaboratively? And all the while, people will get better at their jobs. So like that's the so that so I think that that's the way um so he he came in and, and shared like that that specific use case with us. And I'm like, wow, like I never really thought about it in the sense of the application of we want to become more collaborative and we want to have more business agility. Right. So like that, that's the, like, so that's, that's the, that could be the application, but that is very much influenced and informed by Bob's perspective and how he approaches leadership. Now, if I'm the kind of leader who's like, I need to understand everything that's happening, right? Like I'm going to be a micromanager. Um, then of course there is there, there's the risk of that, but I, I was, I'm trying to remember exactly why I talked about Bob. There's a second part, which is, um, Bob had shown my team, uh, so I'm in the commercial segment selling to two, like two companies that have up to 250 employees, but a big, um, a big value driver of gong within organizations is not just like the manager or the sales leader having oversight into what's happening, but it's the ability to have peer-to-peer learnings and peer-to-peer coaching. So um, organizations that have a culture of peer-to-peer learning and peer-to-peer coaching are able to realize 36% more revenue year over year than companies that don't have that established. So again, it's like, it's much more about the application of Gong. So it's like, hey, actually like the best applications of Gong are not so that management can have oversight, but much more so that you can cultivate collaborative work environments, collaborative sales teams, collaborative organizations, if you have to have a collaborative sell. Yeah, yeah, I love it. Love it, love it, love it, Gabrielle. <laughs> yeah, no worries. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I love it too. It's an awesome technology. I think you just got promoted. Just replay. Yeah, yeah. I'm going to send it to a me. I'm like, a me, make me the evangelist, please. <laughs> Fantastic. Okay, so let's talk about you know, um, your customers and your view on whether um, buyers and, uh, and customers, whether, you know, how you kind of like, enable them what what do you do 
in the business to help enable your customers through your team? What's uniquely different about what you do? Ooh, man, I know I submitted these survey results and I can't remember what I submitted, but what I, what I can recall is like as a manager, the way that I view my customers is my team. Like it's, it's the sales development reps, the individuals in those seats, right? Like those to me are like my, are my main customers. Um, and so of course their customers or their clients are going to be the, like the, the prospective buyers. So um, what do I do differently? This is maybe a callback to what we had first kicked off the conversation with, which was you have this example of you have a, a personality, right? There's this charisma, there's a presence that's uniquely you. And then if anybody, whenever you jump on the phone, you know, it's Janice, right? That is that I learned that that's to me incredibly important very early on. And when I started off in sales, like that's the work that I work on with my team, which is I don't want you to sound like how we taught you to do this script. I want you to I, like, I'm like, I, I want you to use your own unique, authentic voice, because I believe nine times out of 10, it's going to it might be your personality, your specific personality that gets somebody bought into gong. So it's very much about the way that I would approach my team. And what I think is unique is. Yes, we want to follow a certain set of process, right? Maybe like messaging, prospecting, those kind of things. But when it comes to the actual delivery of you engaging with a prospect, I want it to be meaningful. I want it to be intentional. And the only way to really accomplish that is for you to find your own authentic voice. Mm -hmm. So like that is something that I'm seeing, like when we don't do that, people start to um, start to exit the company because they never really found themselves at work. But when we're very intentional about um, like, what does gong mean to you? Like, if you were talking about gong to a friend, how would you do that? Right? Like, how would you explain this to your grandfather, um, who might not be as like technologically savvy? And so like, the simpler you can make it for yourself, the more, the more um, true to yourself that you can make this, the more effective, the more confident, and the more comfortable you'll be in the role. So I think that's like one big thing that I see as unique, especially in a world that's like, we want to have standards, we want to have best practices, we want this to be repeatable. <laughs> scalable um so yeah that that's going to be like i think that's going to be my unique take on how to enable my team to enable uh prospects to like get the value of gong brilliant brilliant so you know kind of talking more about you and you know your unique um difference um you said that your even when your leadership style is questioned or not mm. seen as strong enough what what do you mean by that what what in your experience of things that have come up that have got you to really think about this and you know the difference yeah. in your personality yeah so um so yeah there was an experience where uh how about this I'm I am an emotional human being I, I I say that my superpower my super strength is the ability to attune to individuals so I'm not trying to force them to respond in a certain way if they, if I have a rep on my team, they're upset, right? Or they're, or they're happy, whatever. I, I even think about it. Like I have a, I have a six-year-old nephew. He turns seven in two days. And so if he's, if he's like really, ah, what's the word? He could be like really upset. He's crying. He's screaming. When I think of like attuning to him, it might be coming over to him in like 
I'm just going to meet you where you're at. I'm not going to tell you to be anything else. And we're going to work through this together, <laughs> right? Like one step at a time until he can regulate himself down. Yeah. So it's a similar po- approach with the reps where I'm like, I'm just, I want to start where you're at. And I'm curious about what's going on. Why do you feel the way that you feel? Where do you think that's actually coming from? Right. And so it might take a little bit longer than if I were to say, hey, get over it. Let's go. I believe it's a lot more effective, a lot more meaningful. And that person goes, wow, gee, like Gabrielle really cares about me. She really cares about how I'm feeling right now. She sees me. She hears me. She acknowledges me for the place that I'm at right in this very moment. And I feel a lot more comfortable moving on. Right. So um, that style of I'm going to be curious I'm going to accept you as you are like, yes, you're going to have your moment, but I trust that you'll get back to a place of regulation and you'll adjust that I have experienced can be interpreted as not being strong, a strong leader or being like overly compassionate to the point of coddling reps. So I think there can be some validity to that if my style of expressing compassion isn't doesn't also have an aspect of firmness to it, which is, hey, like I, I can. I know that you're feeling a certain way. I know that you have concerns. And also we have to find a way to channel that energy into something productive. So like if we're only staying on, all right, I'm upset, I'm upset, I'm upset. Of course, we're not going to move anywhere. But if it's like, hey, let's be upset and let's also channel that into something productive. What does that look like? Then that to me is like, actually we can, again, like people can feel a lot more seen, a lot more heard, a lot more acknowledged. They feel like they can belong. They don't have to like cover themselves or shield themselves for however they're like, whatever they're experiencing that day. Um, But again, like I I have seen it in organizations where that style initially can be seen as maybe like a lesser than style or like too effeminate and, you know, like not like, oh, can they hold their reps accountable? So it's, it's a balance. It's a balancing act. But anytime I've tried to go outside of that, it's worked. It's, it's not worked for me whatsoever. No, but do you think the critique of leadership styles is, is really through the filter of how men have done it? So, oh hell yeah! <laughs> so oh, absolutely, like, that's why it's less than or not you know not strong enough because this is not the way I'm I'm used to seeing it, and um, and that's something that a lot of women in in leadership have to battle against because mm-hmm. you would have seen I've certainly seen that women have actually moved on to do it do it that's not their authentic self just to be accepted in you know as a leader Mm -hmm. and so how have you decided that actually you're just going to do it your way you're going to do it in your style and be authentic Mm -hmm. regardless of people will actually think well this isn't you know leadership so I a lot of times I have to reflect on when I have not been in what I'll call like my vibrational vortex (laughs) like I have not been in an alignment with myself when I when I reflect on the times if I were to kind of put myself back into that position for me it didn't feel good I had I was experiencing a lot more anxiety um I feel a lot more nervous all the time I was like I just have like I didn't feel comfortable because I wasn't being myself Mm -hmm. and so like who am I to be like all right I want people to be themselves but I'm not being myself so um I I think there's the the first part of like for I might have like you know certain meditations where I'm like all right well when am I and I and I, I journal quite a bit I'm like when am I feeling my best 
when didn't I, right? Like, what was I doing? What led up to that? And so if I stay true, if I, if I have an inventory of that and I'm like, okay, look, here are my data points. <laughs> when I'm, when I'm like in alignment with myself, I feel really good and I connect with people and I feel like I have better relationships and this is what brings me joy and satisfaction and meaning in my work. And that's, what's going to create a sustainable career for me. So like, I, I recognize that piece of also when I've been outside of that, is when I was, yeah, like I wasn't sleeping very well. I wasn't eating very well. I was always tired. I had a lot of anxiety. I had to leave the workplace because I was so burnt out. So if I think about it, just like long-term, what do I want to accomplish in my career? I was like, a key part of that is like the foundational piece of this is I have to be true and harmonious within myself. Otherwise I'm going to keep on burning out. Um, I also have uh, invested in like coaching as well to help me out with this specifically where I'm like, I want to be compassionate and firm, right? Like I, I want to be that empathetic leader who can still hold people accountable. So I'm constantly working on this and creating kind of like routines or rituals um, and, and ways of honoring that and holding myself accountable to that too. So like shout out to my coach, Joanna. She's awesome. She's helping me out a lot. Um, but I also think about, I think the last piece is I, I've experienced this firsthand where I like had my style of leadership, but I wasn't really conscious about it. I just did it. And, and I didn't know that it worked or why it was working. And then there came feedback that's like, Hey, we want you to show up in this way. And it turned people off. They're like, who are you? You don't seem like, so for me, I was like, I was, I was so wanting to be sincere. So wanting to build those relationships. So wanting to like the aspiration was to have deep, meaningful connections with the people that I work with and that I'm invested in them, regardless of where they work, if that's here with me, right. Or somewhere else, like I'm, I'm invested. And so I'd gotten feedback where someone's like, Hey, like FYI, you, some folks don't feel like you're, you're very sincere. And I, and I had to take a moment and go, well, I haven't been because I've been trying to meet this expectation from people above versus staying true to myself and like recognizing, wow, a superpower of mine is attuning to the, like, it's just attuning to them. I'm like, I'm, I'm over here being weak <laughs> like, and I, I need to be strong. So uh, I, I've, yeah, just, I've had, I've had a, a variety of experiences that show me very clearly that when I'm not being compassionate, when I'm not being understanding, when I'm not seeking to understand, it turns people off and performance takes a dip. But when I do connect, when I do listen, when I do demonstrate that sincere and genuine care, like people's performance gets way better. So I'm like, all right, like that's the business case. There we go. Yeah, there we go. Thank you for sharing that um, with us because I'm sure that it's going to resonate with a lot of people. I want to ask you, why did you say that you used to loathe having conversation about diversity, equity and inclusion? Ooh. Yeah, because yes. I always ask about diversity in sales. So yeah. why was this, was this not as comfortable for you? Yeah, it, personal experiences where diversity, equity, inclusion meant absolutely nothing. Um, I had, this was, this was years ago, um, and I was working at a company and they're like, Hey, like we, uh, I, I, so I was the only black for a moment, I was the only black person at the organization. And then, and then I was the only black woman at the organization. Um, and we had talked about like we, this company that I was at, we, we 
we, there's a lot of performance is the best way to put this. It's like very performative. We had like diversity, equity, and inclusion lunches. And the CEO would talk about things in the all hands meetings. And we would, uh, we would donate or we would be part of these kind of like technology company programs that had an initiative to increase DE&I. So I'm sitting there like the only black woman in the organization. And I'm like, this is awesome. Like, let's go. And I'm like, we're investing in it. We're about it. Cool. Like I'm going to get on my high horse and we're going to ride. Like, let's go. So, um, and, and I would remember like going to leadership. I'm like, that's amazing. We just had this new partnership and I had these ideas. Um, I had observations. I'm like, Hey, here are the ways that we can get better. And I was basically like slapped on the wrist, left and right. And so, and so like it, there was points in time where like I would talk about the things that we were like, there were things that the company was doing that was saying, hey, like you can't talk about these things. But when I, when I talked about it, it's like, hey, you're being problematic. Hey, you need to focus on your job. Hey, you need to shut your mouth. Like, stop talking about being a black woman, basically. So that was what I was met with to the point where I was like, well, what am I, what's going on here? <laughs> you know, so I, I got incredibly, and this, I think the, the story that I'm sharing right now is, is very watered down because there were some pretty extreme events that had happened, whether that was like discrimination against me, where, you know, like I ended up having to go seek out like legal counsel, right, for, for this company. So I, I walked away from that experience being incredibly jaded. I was like, like diversity, equity, inclusion, my ass, <laughs> you know, that was, that was that, like, that was, that was my mood. I, I was like, I, 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 so like, I, I think I had just seen so many instances where I'm sure well-intentioned, well-meaning companies that had no, like their diversity, equity, inclusion efforts were much more geared towards white women, which is what you see a lot of the times. And I'm like, okay, well, like, where are the, like, for me, I was like, where, like, where am I in this picture other than, you know, that like black face on your website? Mm. Right. So like, that's, that's how I felt about it. I don't think you got the memo. We want that, you know, the memo said, we want to say it. We don't want to do it. (laughs) Exactly. Exactly. So I, yeah, I, so for me, I, I, like I had that, I had that experience of feeling jaded. I also at this company was also being harassed while, while black, like from by my employees or, or from not my employees, my coworkers. And I was like, nah, I was like, don't talk to me about diversity, equity, inclusion. Just don't do it because I don't believe you. So, um, so that it's, it's changed over time. Um, cause I recognize I'm like, wow, like hopefully I was at a company that was like kind of the worst of the worst. I'm sure I'm, I wasn't, but I was like, let's just say like, that's the worst experience in the workplace that I'll have. Let me build from this. Like, let me get better at asking certain questions during the interview process. Let me connect and network with more folks who could identify with being black, being a black woman as well. And I think like, it's not a matter of, uh, Hey, all of a sudden I've changed my mindset. I'm asking better questions and I'm networking more that all of a sudden things get better, but I know how to better manage my expectations when I'm going into organizations. And I recognize I'm like, okay, well, things aren't going to just be fixed tomorrow. Um, it's a long haul (laughs) journey and it doesn't like, I think for me, I'm like, it doesn't help for me to not have conversations about it. Even if I'm like, Oh, this is frustrating. Yeah, yeah, because it, it, it exists, 
it's there, even if we, you know, don't mm-hmm. uh, face it. And it's all about having, co- I have since, you know, um, uh, last year, I've had so many more conversations and, you know, growing up as a, as a black, you know, child in the, the UK, we have similar experiences in, uh, as you do in, in, in the US, but actually I used to not tell the truth, to be quite honest with you, Gabrielle, because if I did, people would, um, then I didn't really care how they viewed me, but actually what it's hard to hear. It's really hard to accept it, especially as my experience will not be your experience. So if they don't mm-hmm. see it, they may not believe it because it doesn't happen to them, you know? So why am I even bothering of opening that up? So you think, well, you know, that, that yeah. I've even had people said, to me in the and this is in the political correct front in that like if that's your experience well then that questions whether it is a true experience if you say if that is your experience you know, yeah you yeah that 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 is my experience and let's now talk about how we're going to move on from from here so there are difficult conversations and yeah. I think it's important just to keep having them because the more that other people hear that someone has a different experience themselves the more it kind of opens up that gap that actually there is another world that's unseen to me um, yes out there but it is difficult and you do get tired you do, you know. Yeah, yeah, and it's the work that has to get done. It's the hard work, yeah. right? Like yeah. the work, the the work is to keep doing the work. Yeah. <laughs> so, um, yeah, I mean, in terms of again, like, like I, I, I feel like I have um, more of like there's expectations that I have and they're manageable. I don't know. I wouldn't say necessarily like it's it's optimistic but yet realistic at the same time. Um, And so if I think about for myself as somebody who is an employee at an organization, right, I'm not self-employed. When I step into organizations or when I'm interviewing at a place, what this means for me is, all right, I know that not everything is going to be perfect. I know there's going to be uncomfortable conversations and these are conversations that still need to happen. So what's required? Right. Like what like what do I need when I'm thinking about where I'm going to go work? It's I need to have leadership that's going to be receptive. I need to have leadership that's going to believe me when I say things Mm -hmm. right like that. So like I think that's a key piece what we're talking about, which is, hey, I have an experience. It's going to be different. We're going to look at the same picture. We're going to interpret this differently. And nobody's right and wrong they can coexist harm like harmoniously and we can have a conversation about it and it's not a debate. Right. So like, those are the conversations that I'm ha- like, I'm like, all right, I remember going into my interview with Gong and I had a meeting with Sandy Kochar, who's our chief people officer. And I was like, okay, cool. George Floyd was killed last year. <laughs> you know, like we're, we're starting off with that. So, um, so, you know, like that, like those are, Hey, you know, like diversity, equity, and inclusion and past organizations, what that has meant, what I've seen is it's, it's promoting white women in particular, walk me through how you're making sure that, uh, there is multiple lenses of diversity or aspects of diversity that are represented in your diversity program. So it's not still one predominant culture, one predominant norm that is continuing to be promoted and given access to things that other folks are not getting access to. So like, I was like, if I can't have a hard conversation with you like that, even though I'm probably not, like I might not be having these conversations with you every day, but I'm like, if I can't show up like that in an interview process, 
and get a legitimate answer, <laughs> you know, then like it, you're not the one boo. So, yeah. so like I, I got a big mouth and I'm going to use it. <laughs> Well, and I don't want to get, re- and I don't want to be retaliated for it well, either. Well, it saves you a lot of time knowing that this is not the cultural fit for me. And mm. you want to know that before you kind of sign the contract, you know, because who wants to yeah. stress? It's like round hole, square peg, doesn't Yeah. You know? So yeah. I think you're absolutely right. Get that out right at the beginning. At the beginning. Yeah, yeah. definitely. Yeah, mm. it's, it's taken some time to build up the confidence. To, or I think like the kind of, yeah, confidence, self-esteem in order to show up in that way. Cause there can be that, Ooh, like, am I going to come off as the stereotypical, yeah. like angry black woman, whatever. And then I have yeah. to go, you know what? No, like this is real talk. Yeah. We need to, yeah, we need to know, be able to have legitimate conversations without the stereotype. People are judging you all the time. So you might as well just be yourself. Yeah. <laughs> might as well. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> So, Gabrielle, um, if you're on a desert island alone, uh, who or what would you take with you? I believe I put down my puppy, Luna. Um, <laughs> she's, yeah, she's like sleeping we- on the bed right now. Uh, you, she's just a little yeah, furball. Yeah. You can't really tell. <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah, I would, because I, I, like, I was thinking, I'm like, I would bring my journal, but I would need a pen. Those are two <laughs> items. I can't do that. Um, and I just thought I probably would not do, like, do well by myself. <laughs> so like, I'm bringing my puppy. All right. You, you can have Luna. You can have Luna. So how can listeners get hold of you? Yes, the best way to get a hold of me is on LinkedIn. So uh, Gabrielle GB Blackwell, Sales Development Astrus. That's the best way to get in contact with me. Brilliant. It's been an absolute pleasure. I've loved talking to you. And thank you for being so honest and sharing your experience. I'd love to have you on again because we've only just touched the surface. Yes, I would love to. Yeah, yes, please. Yeah, lovely. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you for joining me on this episode of Scale Your Sales. Feel free to connect with me on LinkedIn or Twitter, Janice B. Gordon, to comment and share. I'd love it if you would leave a review on ratethispodcast.com slash scale your sales. Please subscribe for more weekly expert insights to scale your sales.